This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Grace Gordon, actress and activist, and I am so thrilled to be here today with Amaya Calvacaresi, my longest term friend. Amaya and I have known each other since we were nine years old, and uh, Amaya is here visiting me in LA. I wanted to have Amaya on the show for a long time because they are a therapist, and you know, one of my first creative collaborators since we've known each other so long. And boy, do we both have a lot of feelings about uh, therapy and art and the intersection of them and the way that they are talked about together. So without further ado, here is my friend, Amaya Kalvakaresi, who uses they, them pronouns and is uh, here to answer or not answer, but at least discuss with me (laughs) the question, is art therapy? Hi, Amaya. Hi, Grace. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for talking about this with me. It's a vulnerable thing to talk about, I think. I mean, therapy in general, but especially you're an artist and you're a therapist and your willingness to discuss opinions about how those things get mixed up is really awesome. And I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you co-creating the space with me. Ooh, we are co-creating it, baby. Mm. Um, I usually start the show in case you don't know, by just doing a little check-in in the present moment and just asking my guest, how is your art life? My art life feels newly exciting after quite like a long hiatus, I would say. That makes me happy. Right? Say more. Same. So I went through a period for, I would say, most of um, most of college and after, and after college of not feeling very able to write music, um, particularly. And so finding, I have found the most fantastic band, um, in my opinion. That and is worthy of huge celebration. Thank you so much. That's amazing. They are, it feels like such, also such a beautiful space that we've co-created. Yeah. And love being in the most trans band I've been in. So oh, that also is so exciting. Okay. So healing. Yeah, healing, exciting. I can't wait to see you guys play. Mm. And um, I don't think I even really knew that that was a block for you. So it's so interesting when you're like coming at someone you're close with from a different perspective. Like I'm here as a host. And so Mm -hmm. we're talking about your art life. And it it is different. You are sharing something that we don't normally talk about. So I really appreciate that. And I'm excited for you that you have found... Your people, because I think that's like the most important thing to get the juices flowing Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, creatively is like good collaborators. Mm, I learned from the best. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yay. I can't wait to hear your music. So I guess we'll just jump right in. And since you started so beautifully with this with this acknowledging a block you had acknowledging that that was a maybe a mental health thing maybe not I don't know but like that that's also part of the creative process and that's part of art life so I wanted to do this episode and I brought it up to you in part because this show was named in homage Mm -hmm. to a documentary about David Lynch Um, He talks a lot about being a painter in Philly and he talks about, you know, film and all these things. I love him as a director, but the concept for this show came up within the same conversation with Zandra about that documentary. And so David Lynch is a huge influence on my work and my life. And he's known also for his practice of transcendental meditation, 
So people know this about him. It's mm-hmm. something he talks about. He has his own foundation that he like raises money to teach people with PTSD and, and, and kids in inner city schools, meditation. It was hugely impactful for his life to start meditating. Mm-hmm. And that's something I always thought was really cool that that's such an important thing to him. And it's, it's, you know, something he talks about so openly and a lot of artists do, but something I'm less thrilled about now I'm pretty, I want to say, I'm pretty sure this is in the documentary, but I don't a hundred percent remember if this mm. is just something he said that I remember, or if it is in the art life documentary, but, um, in this conversation, David Lynch talks about an experience of going to therapy, trying it out and having a discussion with a therapist where he essentially asked point blank, if I work through things, if I come here regularly, will I be less motivated to create art? And the therapist was like, you might be. And then David Lynch decided he was never going to go to therapy. And this story horrifies me because I, I disagree vehemently. But I also think a lot of artists think like that. It's a little old school in its way of thinking, but I think a lot of people think that. So I guess the first, I was just wanted to give you context for like, this show's named after that, right? And I disagree so vehemently with that perspective. And I guess, I mean, I guess my first question is just, what do you think? What would you say if, a, if an artist asked you that in a session? Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. I would... Probably, and maybe it sounds like this therapist um, might not have done that, but <laughs> I, um, I would start with some validation, I think, as to how understandable of a question that is. And yeah. I don't know if you... I'm the thinking, fear, totally. Right? And I'm, I'm thinking of like those, and I don't know if you... I mean, Edgar Allan Poe is one of the first people I think of as far as artists. I think of as far as people, someone who people will say all the time. Oh, if there are even memes of that, you know, like like dumb memes, like boomer memes, you know, that will say like, okay. oh, if this person, if Edgar Allan Poe had been on Prozac, what <gasps> would have happened to his work? Fuck yeah. off! I know. Yeah, and Sylvia Plath would be alive. I don't know. Can we can we <laughs> like expand this conversation beyond someone's couple of works being the only thing valuable about them? Exactly. Yeah, the exploitative <laughs> nature is really yeah. People are really showing themselves with wow. that with that kind of statement. So. You know, I would want to speak to that in some way as far as that being a that being a message communicated, you know, that one has to choose right. one, or the, one or the other. And then probably approach approach with curiosity. You know, like there is there there's a place for maybes from a therapist in in session. But right. I, I don't know if that that would be my place. So I would probably, you know, I think have questions as to what that would look like for them. You know, it would be I think I wouldn't have the same pithy one liner. Yeah, I think, and I think I'm assuming from the way he talked about it that it was like a first session. Yeah, like it exactly. wasn't he. You know, he that was him trying it and then going never again. And he's like a million years old now, so it's not like <laughs> for those who can't see, Amaya just spit out their drink, <laughs> um, literally spit out their drink. But but it's not like he you know when he had a close therapeutic relationship that mm. then he had finally asked this. No, this was like his first brand of therapy, and I'm so that really I'm like that was a real misstep on the yeah. therapist part. But maybe they believe that. I don't know. Like who? Like I'm saying, I I disagree. But their that therapist is entitled to their own opinions, and they're and they're entitled to you know ask themselves the question of <laughs> am I being paid to voice my opinion, right? Um, you know, or am I being paid to support this client, right? If that makes sense as a distinction. No, it does. And like ideally, someone 
would recognize that if an artist has shown up to therapy, that's for a reason. And you should encourage them to stay in the process, not look for escape routes. Because that's what it feels like. If, if, to me, that feels like a you know new patient who's looking for an escape route because they're afraid of facing some stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, and I would, I mean, definitely a thanks, I think, too, right? Like a, a thank you for trying this with me you know right. if like if this is a concern that you're bringing you mm-hmm. know because it is i mean and i you know would i mean i think for so many people it's you know it's a whole identity right i mean the therapist is basically said it saying you might lose this crucial aspect of your identity in this work with me a stranger right like, who wants to do that well or you know your entire life's work or what like your whole plan i guess is what he's afraid of it's it's odd from my perspective mm-hmm. because i'm like I'm a person who has been an artist who has benefited so heavily from therapy. So it's a little hard for me to grasp. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and so that was, you know, the first reason I, I thought to do this was remembering that conversation and how much I admire about him and how much I disagree with this moment in his life. Um, the sheer existence. Yeah. The sheer existence <laughs> of it is not, is, is not to my taste. I would cut that from the life story. Um, I've I've seen people have that perspective before and it concerns me and I disagree with it. But I also think that sometimes people conflate art with therapy. And I'm, I'm guilty of that, right? Like when I moved to LA, I joined an acting class that was really intimate and I now feel that was actually really inappropriate. Like, like acting classes can be very exploitative, especially about people's trauma. Like, like teachers think that they're breaking you open to make you a better artist when like people are put in dangerously vulnerable positions, like sharing their freaking trauma to an acting class. They don't talk about sharing something with a stranger and trusting Mm -hmm. them with it. Right. So I've experienced a lot of those moments in acting classes. And I am also guilty of, you know, for me, it was like, oh, this is my church. Like, I don't have to go to church because mm. I've got this class and it's sacred mm. for me. And I, I now feel differently about a statement like that because I think there need to be boundaries. And I think that a lot of acting classes can be super exploitative and culty. And so that feeling of this is church isn't actually something I want in my class. <laughs> like, I don't think that's healthy for me. But I just want to acknowledge, like, I'm someone who can do that, right? I'm someone who can go, I don't need to go to therapy because I'm writing poetry. Not me. That's not my best self. Do you see people conflate the two a lot? Is that something culturally that as a therapist, like, you witness? Or is it just the people I'm around? Do I need new friends? <laughs> Well, of course, I mean, at least one of your friends, I need you to hang on to them forever. And that is me. I I am that friend. Okay. I can make Um, that promise. But I would say that, I mean, your experience, I think is definitely, you know, unique as far as I think experience, like seeing that in, in an acting class um, that is a specific brand, but I think art is, is one of the, um, I mean, one of the many things that therapy is conflated with. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking of, I mean, in, in anticipation of this conversation, I was thinking about retail therapy a lot. Oh, like as a phrase. As a as phrase. Well. And it's fascinating. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. I didn't even think about that. It's so, it's very, I mean, and I think as we've talked about probably outside of this, you know, it is, it seems so fascinating that the word, that therapy, like this word <laughs> therapy, right, has come to mean so many different forms of self-care and it's so funny that 
you know, whereas art, right, that's not something that's like $200 an hour. But the one, the thing that we call healing is monetized. Right. Well, and I think that you're bringing up something that is a central point in all of these discussions is that therapy is expensive and for many people prohibitively expensive. And so there's also, it's like important to talk about that, right? Like that's for some people, this is therapy. This is my therapy. Listening to a new album, Mm rewatching the same cathartic movie. Like that's also because they are experiencing a limitation financially mm-hmm. stopping them from going to literal therapy. Super glad you brought that up. Right. But also, you know, a lot of things are expensive in the art world. Mm-hmm. Acting classes are expensive mm-hmm. and going to certain concerts, hella expensive, mm-hmm. you know? So like therapy is or is not more or less expensive. You know, it just mm-hmm. depends yeah. on the circumstance yeah. and, and like the, even the retail therapy comparison as well. So I'm sure people are sometimes saying that and blowing as much money as they would on therapy if they would just go to therapy. <laughs> Again, I'm a person who believes in therapy as do you because you, that's your life path. And so I'm like, I know we're, I'm, we're both coming to this discussion with that belief. But yeah, like what, you know, why won't, why are all of these other things referred to as therapy that are not? <laughs> why, are, why are we doing that? What's up with that? What's <laughs> this is not my co- most coherent interview, everyone. But I've I'm over overridden I mean, with emotion. Yeah. So. <laughs> is- Shh, don't say that. <laughs> Stream of consciousness. But well, I mean, it's interesting because I mean the the more informative I think aspect of those comparisons or sort of that conflation is you know the degree to which therapy I think ideally does share some of these like you know has commonalities with art and specifically like what art brings us yes like catharsis like rewatching a movie that you feel really uh, moved by over and over is something I brought up in that example so you're saying ideally therapy does provide some commonalities that would be and I mean everyone you know, as, as a disclaimer, of course, I would say that I am um, not a cognitive, you know, I'm not cognitively oriented. I'm more, more emotion focused okay. um, as a therapist. And so I'm not, not an expressive therapist, so I can't speak to the, like, the literal inclusion of art right in, yeah. in session. And for people listening who aren't 100% of what we're talking about, we're, there are different kinds of therapy. There are different schools of thought, different modalities is, is how you phrase it. Yeah, and I was, I mean, as I was reviewing the de- the definitions of art and therapy, that was, I think, something that was proving challenging was how many modalities there are. Uh. And I thought about saying, and it's a good time to say it, like, art therapy is a thing. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about that mm-hmm. right now. Like, my, my, my stepmom is an art therapist. Like, she is a social worker who got her master's and, and did whatever and mm-hmm. is, and is a, an art therapist specifically. I think art therapy is incredible. Mm-hmm. I've, ha- I've had art therapy before. I think it's awesome. It is a specific field that uses creativity and artistic expression as a form of therapy. That again is different to have a, a social worker, a therapist, a per- trained person guiding you through things. That's different than, this poem I wrote is my therapy, therefore I don't have to go to therapy, <laughs> which is what I'm talking about. 
Well, and I think it's that. I mean, the the thing that seems so interesting about all of these terms that are conflated with therapy is they are through for all of them is the absence of it being in relationship with at least one person. Right. Because right. art, I mean, of course, can be like individual or collective, but that seems to me to be the main distinguishing factor of therapy as a concept is that there will always be this one, at least this one person. Yeah, and and some of watching a movie or writing this thing on your own might feel cathartic and get something out, and that's really important. That's why we make art in a lot of ways, but that's not the same as like having guidance, working through trauma or whatever it is that you're working through. But also some of my examples, like an acting class, that's a very normal occurrence in acting classes, unfortunately. Teachers acting like therapists, I think it's horrible. I think it you know, actually really contributes to certain people's mental health crises. Mm-hmm. And like, it's also just uncomfortable now for me to sit through. And I, I relate a lot of my actor friends, especially those who are older and more seasoned, share this discomfort with me because there's moral discomfort on like people who are not trained therapists or trained or trained in trauma informed care in any way Mm -hmm. acting like they are but also it's uncomfortable as a viewer because it's not my business like listening to someone's rape story is not my business in relation to being there like especially a a stranger if it's someone i've been in class with for years and they're a friend and Mm -hmm. you know we trust each other and they want to talk to me about that awesome amazing Mm -hmm. But if it's a stranger, you know, getting their worst trauma unearthed out loud in a group of new classmates, what the hell? It's inappropriate. So some of these things I'm talking about, they do have other people involved. Mm. But it's like not the right people, not qualified people. And I think and you, people who may or may not have given informed consent. Yeah. Right? Like in this case for you. I don't think anyone, you know, I can't as imagine in, someone asked you, do you want to hear this story? Right, right. As a listener, you mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, well, that's true too. Yeah. And, and right. That's a whole other aspect of this is like, again, I think this is true in lots of different classroom environments in the arts. It's mm-hmm. not just acting. Acting is probably the best example because you are your product. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much to talk about and unlock within yourself. Absolutely. But I'm sure this happens in painting classes. I'm sure this happens in anything where you are asked to like dive deep within yourself and produce something meaningful. Certainly happens in the movie Whiplash about a jazz drummer. In case anyone, in case anyone's wondering, you know, like talk about a teacher exploiting someone's like personal history in an abusive way and humiliating them. But like that kid disclosed things privately about his life to this teacher who then tries to use it against him to push him to be a better artist. And so I think this happens not just in acting classes, but yeah, it's, I'm not consenting to it as a student, as a listener. No, I'm not actually. I think I, I'm uncomfortable not judging the person sharing anything, but Mm -hmm. it's, I just don't think it's safe emotionally to like put a new student through that or to put, the listeners through that who, you know, have their own triggers. Yeah. So it raises the question of just what, what, what's the follow Right. You know, for this person after that. And this, and, and it's a good question that probably more often than not highlights the fact that these are not therapists doing this. These are acting teachers. And I've seen a lot of people quit after their, that moment in a class. I've seen lots of actors quit. I've seen people have mental health crises 
like what? Mm. There's so many examples of mental health issues in any field. I'm not even going to say the arts because it's anything. And so that, yeah, of course that comes into your workplace. That comes, it's, that's life, right? These things influence our lives in every you can walk into the grocery store and someone can be having a mental health crisis. Like I'm not saying that I'm trying to never encounter that. Mm-hmm. That's going to be true for any environment you're in, but there are ways in which to be more intentional mm-hmm. about how we treat each other and, and ways to be more intentional about what we are actually good at or like, well, you know, what we, what, what is our place? And I think, you know, now teachers, this is not your place. Yeah, I mean, as you know, I mean, as you know, I'm obsessed with with Umusilla. I think is the person who has coined the phrase for me, the zone of genius, um, and or one zone of genius, and that seems, you know, at least for I think a lot of you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like for these teachers or for a lot of people, what someone sees as their zone of genius is unearthing, um, and that's the accomplishment. It's just that this is out there, as opposed to right. And some acting teachers, for example, just are very good at that. Yes, totally. Mm. And that, I mean, when I think of other people, you know, like in history who are good at under, like facilitating vulnerability mm-hmm. um, only, you know, as opposed to facilitating a scenario in which it feels worthwhile to have been vulnerable after the fact. Right. You know, where's the aftercare in this? It's a, it's a great, yes. I see people conflate the two and I just disagree with that. And, and you're, and like, it's, by the way, thank you for researching. It's cool that you like, we're looking up definitions of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you prepared. That's so awesome. Um, it's th- rare. There's a lot of commonalities <laughs> in these, in these things and, and right. Hopefully catharsis in art making and, and maybe some expression and creativity in therapy, but they're not the same thing. And I know you you make art and you've got a lot of artist friends. And is this something that ever comes up? Is this something that you've heard friends say and you've maybe had to like speak to? Does this ever show up in social life? Mm. That's, yeah, such a fascinating question. I mean, I think so many people in my life are used to me asking tough questions um, at this point. Maybe that shapes how much um, I hear about it. Just- Wait. You're like, I want to acknowledge that I ask hard questions so people don't tell me shit. <laughs> well, because I'm... Cause That's so funny. <laughs> and that might just be one explanation. Because I mean, as I think about it, I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky. I guess I don't really hear people talk, like, like saying that. Um, but then I wonder if that's partially because if someone, I mean, if a good friend did say that to me, you know, like, this is my therapy, I would, I, I would have some questions. Yeah. Right? Um, as to you know, what, what are the barriers to having multiple forms right. Right, um, of care, for example? What, is, what would be threatening about therapy? That, yeah, that well, and I think, I think, no, I mean, that's really the question, right? I, I think that is really the question. And, and I think that, right, one of the questions also is we call any form of self-care now or any, like anything that feels good whatsoever is self-care and any self-care is therapy like it's just this weird linguistic thing Mm -hmm. where we're all so starving for like comfort and expression and human connection Mm -hmm. that it's all referred to as this extra thing and it's all the same self-care everything is good is self-care it's not built in it's like additional 
and therapy is also, you know, extra self-care additional, the arts, extra self-care additional. They're not treated like essential parts of life, though they are the only reason to be alive. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's also part of the reason that they get thrown together. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, and because they're both, they are both life-saving, you know, or, or can be at least, but it is, I think so. Yeah. I mean, just so fascinating that, I mean, I think it speaks to as well, how limited our opportunities for authentic expression are. Yeah. Um, because I think particularly under capitalism. Yeah. How many, or even I think the way that people will say that speaking to their friends is their therapy. Yes. That's usually the thing. That's a snagging thing for me. Yes. And that's one we were talking off the air about with like when, when friends say that to like I had a deep talk with a friend and they're like, Oh, this is therapy or like, or, you know, this is better than my experience in therapy. I'm like, no, don't tell me that I am not a therapist. Please like, like, please, can I help you, you know, find someone, but like, I, I am not a qualified therapist and no, this is absolutely not the same thing. It's yeah. I mean, it's an informative moment. Cause I mean, if someone is saying that, then I definitely ha- have a lot of questions about what kind of therapy they've received. Right. And I, and, and that's always hard for me because I, I've had many therapists in my life and some of them have not been great experiences, but for the most part they have been. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, a very long term therapeutic relationship that was amazing and trusting. And so like, that's what I'm coming to that conversation with. And I think a lot of people have bad experiences or they, they try one person and then they're like, Oh, this is not for me. You know, as opposed to really finding the right therapist. So it's hard when a friend says that because I don't want to like invalidate Mm -hmm. maybe negative experiences they've had in therapy, but it scares me. I wonder what what is it like for you because you are a therapist. (laughs) When friends say that, since you don't have the shield that I have of not being a therapist. It's fascinating. Usually, I mean, people are coming instead with the, um, I mean, of course this was, this looked very different before I became a therapist, but now, now that I am, people are coming with that concern usually. And they will say, um, even I think for something, you know, again, for what I would consider like a normative amount of vulnerability in friendship, if they have something that's on their minds that I ask about, they will say, you know, that they're really cognizant that I do this for a job around dating. Definitely there. Definitely people are coming in with a different vibe or different expectations. That's great. Like, I mean, that's, that's shows that your friends are very considerate or the people you're dating have the fact that they have that on their mind, I think is awesome, but it is ironic that yeah, because you are a therapist, you're not running into that as much as I do a not therapist. I was going to say I have the shield if anything. Yeah. Huh? Wow naked out in this world yeah that's really interesting so when you were in college Mm -hmm. making art and studying Mm -hmm. and around a lot of people doing the same did you did you have times where like going deep into creative work brought something up that you then needed to deal with in therapy did you have you know did you see friend artist friends do that sometimes where maybe they dig something up in their art and that they need some support around? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, I will say I have the, I mean, the really good fortune of having clients who will, like, who will show me their art. Um, I just love that. Their own. 
I know. It's so it's also fantastic. Um, I, I squeal, I squeal all the time. That's so um, cool. And you know, I think I wasn't sure I was aware of fully until you, um, until you said it actually was that my periods where I was, I felt sort of most creatively active, um, before, like un- until now, um, were ones in which I was the least fulfilled in therapy, I would say. Um, the most creatively active. Yeah. When I was the least fulfilled. And, and I think that, I mean, it's, it's, I think a correlation rather than a causation, Yeah, you know, in the sense that that was when it is so hard to have good therapy when you're younger, mm-hmm. right? Like the less, just like the less autonomy you have to go about, you know, to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, so your question, I think made me realize that, right. I mean, I was in general pretty distant from my emotions, I think in those, in that period of time. Yes. But, but yeah, I think I, well, I didn't necessarily feel like therapy was a space in which, um, just as I was experiencing it then in which something would be brought up for me from art and I would, and I would bring it to session. In part because you weren't actually having the therapy that you, that, would, that you needed. Like your needs weren't getting met there. So maybe you were expressing more stuff in other areas of your life. Yeah. And there was still no, I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, because they were song. I mean, usually they were songs. I think about like my core, like core beliefs, for example. So a lot of it was about um, like my self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Usually that was, that was the big one. Um, but I think in therapy, it was still, it was pretty surface level ultimately um just sort of ongoing yeah ongoing challenges in my life or like crisis management yeah um rather than you know whereas now I mean I can look I can look back at my songs and say wow I really wish this person had had effective therapy Uh, right and I'm glad you say that because of course people listening I'm like don't hear this and go I'm more creative out of therapy, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah, that's definitely not what we're saying. Mm-hmm. It's, that's something something Julia Cameron talks a lot about in the artist's way mm-hmm. is in terms of addiction issues where there's a lot of writers who are like, oh, I have to be drunk to write, right? And there's like this this correlation that happens in our heads about the chaotic, fucked up artist and, mm-hmm. you know, that they're an alcoholic and they're promiscuous and whatever it is, right? Like, mm-hmm. And so that that's what makes them creative, or that that's a part of it, or you know, like the madness of a genius. These these mm-hmm. really fetishized like cultural things that are wrong. Mm-hmm. The messaging is wrong, and super destructive for artists and young people. It makes me think of that because you know she had to learn that she absolutely could write mm-hmm. sober, mm-hmm. but also that her writing was better. So I hear something like what you said, and I'm like, maybe you did write a lot more. You know, like maybe you were making a bunch of things. And was it good? Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> the look, the look, the, <laughs> the absolute look of horror you just gave me. Oh my god. Oh goodness. Yeah. No, not. I mean, one of the few things that I don't share with really anyone. I think, um, as far as like my internet presence, particularly, um, are the songs that I have on like an obscure, like, pl- like online platform that I wrote when I was and recorded with my dad, I think when I was 16 Wow! and that was when I was, um, yeah, I mean, that was like really the height of like my, um, like challenges with benzos particularly. And so the, um, those, yeah, I really can't like, that's one of the few things that I, you know, find, like I still feel too much shame around to show like Mm. to, yeah, I think show people. Um, I have that with music. I mean, you knew me when I was writing music and mm -hmm. recording music and at the same, I was around the same age. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I do listen to, 
I can appreciate a lot about the writing mm-hmm. of the music, the sound of certain songs, but I, it is a person who was in a lot of pain who did not have the the help she needed, who was getting re-traumatized over and over with the same patterns. And so it's like, for me, I'm like, it is in a lot of ways the same song over and over. In a, and Whoa. it's disturbing as fuck. Because I'm just like, this person needs protection. Not like, not... You know, just to not just expression. That is how wow. that's how I feel about revisiting that music, and I and it does make me not want to share it, or it does make me write less now music now because it's that association's going in my head. But it's not related to therapy. It's more that I didn't have the therapy I needed. Yeah. No. I mean, if anything, the and I don't. Yeah. I don't think I've ever. I don't know if I've ever been able to describe it that way as far as seeing myself as writing the same, like the same song over and over. Um, I really did. Yeah, I think, and I mean, if I could sum up probably my experiences of therapy before I started having good therapists, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it would be, you know, that I was, um, I felt chronically not heard. So Hmm. writing the same song, you know, writing the same song over and over made a lot of sense. It was, damn. What can I say? That was mind blowing. Mm. Try you inspire me. Yeah, wow. But I think the. So I mean, now I feel a lot more positively. I would say about um about my music. You know, I have have fun like listening to it. Um, or like listening to my band's music, which is oh, wild. That's so lovely. Right. And just the it's comparison of yeah, I have fun listening to this as opposed to I'm really sad and this is the same thing over and over. Wow, what a difference. Zandra and I talk about the word fun a lot as artists mm. and our relationships with the word fun. And so knowing that she's going to edit this podcast and like hear this moment is really exciting for me because I because I I think she's just going to really understand that difference also. Mm. I'm so I'm so excited about that too. And I mean, my clients know me as someone who will say and that like I will hear them use the phrase a radical act of self-care and say that it's because I say that like 10 million times a session (laughs) yeah um and you know I think something like fun right that is you know one of the first things I think of you know is to prioritize fun like or enjoyment or pleasure it is I mean even when I say the word fun so like my body kind of does a thing you know I have a hang up about it that we've talked about on the show before so it's loaded yeah yeah, and but I, in this context, what you're saying is such a relief feeling for me, because that's just such a difference in the process of art making, right? That that's the I mean that's the difference. Are you having fun? Mm. What like why the hell are you making it? It used to just, just feel good for you, man. Like I don't know. I that I have that with a lot of artists and myself too. If I'm pushing, 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 and I'm not enjoying the process at all, it's not going to be good. Which is, I mean, and it's. I think such a self-fulfilling or like a self-perpetuating thing in the sense that I think so much of my hiatus was also related to fun, maybe being an afterthought, if anything, but Mm -hmm. my first priority was to always be good. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah. And it is such a reframe to realize that you have to loosen up and be fun and like fuck up in order for stuff to be good. Like, like the, it's such a, it's the opposite of what you think when you're in a very controlling place or when you're in a perfectionist state of mind or Mm -hmm. productivity obsessed, which is so much what this show is trying to like 
challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that, yeah, being silly and being willing to fuck up and be messy is actually what produces good work is such a reframe for me. Yeah, even for me as well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> as I as I say it, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, as we were talking about, outside of this meeting, I mean, silliness, right, and playfulness. Yeah. Those are the big values, at least for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I assume, as a therapist working in New York City, you have a lot of artist clients. You kind of touched on that, you know, in in this discussion. And I'm I'm curious if this ever comes up with them. Like, are you, if you're allowed to say vaguely, like what the discussions are like about the art making process and the therapeutic process, if there's an intersection, people acknowledge, if there's fears around creative blocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, and I have, I think, you know, all sorts of different kinds of media, like me, like mediums represented, Mm -hmm. um, and you're in your talent roster. I know. (laughs) Oh, I know. And there are too many, too many talents, too many talents for me to keep track of. And I think the, it's interesting because I think, I mean, all of my clients are, uh, you know, just godly Mm self-awareness, um, and thoughtfulness. They, you know, they're always teaching me so much. So they usually are coming in with an awareness as to what, um, again, like what art means for them to mm-hmm. a degree. Cause I do like to, um, particularly in some of my, um, trauma work, you know, I am big on art, art related assignments again, that happen like outside of session, for example. So they, you know, I think we'll talk about blocks, um, within, in relation to world events, particularly as far as I think a sense of pointlessness like that. So I think the, you know, particularly because I do a lot of work in relation to my clients' gender journeys, that means usually they're coming in with, you know, a why like multiple things that they're um, that they're hoping to work on, and I think the you know often something like a creative block is you know something I like I see as really important, particularly if they are if they're naming it in session, yes, um, and it. I think is going to be related to so or informative as far as so many other things that might be happening for them, such as their relationships to, to joy. Right. Mm. Um, and so something that's going to be prominent on my mind and, and also something I think that the client and I are often going to differ on perhaps as far as how much of a priority we see it as being, if that makes sense in that, you know, I think so many people are coming to therapy in survival mode, mm-hmm. right? And are being motivated by crisis and see, understandably. Right, um, like a rock bottom is what gets them there. Yeah. Or something, some event that is like, yeah. I cannot cope with this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, so often we see something like creative expression as a thrive, you know, that's like a thriving, right? Rather mm-hmm. than a surviving activity, if that makes sense. Damn, totally. Yeah. I do. Yeah. No, I mean, I, and I think... I, I mean, I do as well, you know, as evidenced by... Do you know what I just had a thought? What? I just have to say it out loud. Oh, please. I thought of the phrase creative depression in reference to our, like, our t- young teen selves making stuff that's, re- like, just telling mm. the same trauma story over and over. Or, like, like 
creative depression is a sort of a wallowing. Like I have, I have the capability to make art that is very wallowing and not very good. And like, and like that is a kind of creative Mm. thing. Mm. I'm making stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's like, to me, I'm like, that's creative depression. That's not expression. That's not a thriving. That's just another form of wallowing. And I mean, and I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm big on wallowing, depending on how we define it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Because I think, you know, when we, when wallowing means vibing, you know, vibing with the feeling as opposed, you know, with whatever's happening for us as opposed to trying to change it. Yeah. And I think, and sometimes that can be telling the same story. um, Yes. It can not be that. Well, and that can be a necessary part of the artistic process and the being a human process. But that's sort of an example for me of the like therapy can be beneficial to your art. Like, Mm -hmm. like you can move through the sludge that is within emotional sludge Mm -hmm. with support and, you know, more quickly and then get to the creative thriving that you described. I think, and it probably, I mean, I think as you're speaking to it now, I think, I mean, it comes down to a matter of choice um, in the sense that, you know, the, I think, ideally we can make choices as to, you know, if we are, I mean, as you know, I'm obsessed with internal family systems. Um, So I think a lot about the phrase, like, speaking from a part as opposed to, so speaking from a part of ourselves, which I think is often, you know, how people, how people would describe something like, um, you know, how we engage in an argument, for example, you know, would be that we're speaking, we're speaking from a part, right? If we're being, um, if we are being really hostile, for example. Mm. And so similarly, that would be one way to frame, um, I think the sludge you're talking about, right? In the sense that when we're writing the same story, we are, you know, we're speaking from a part, right? As opposed to getting to tune into those parts and make choices as mm. to what do I want to highlight, right? Or speak to in my art. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's important to express whatever you're feeling and I certainly like a lot of depressing ass art. Mm-hmm. So it is it's like I'm not saying that's invalid work. It's just that there's a there's a difference, mm-hmm. right? And uh a difference that I, I assume people listening to this will will understand mm-hmm. the distinction. Um I like intentional wallowing. Like mm-hmm. I love a like a time boundaryed wallowing. Like today mm. I will be a drama queen. Today I will be like, or um, actually yesterday was a great example. Mm -hmm. I Mm. was sick yesterday with a migraine and I told my friends, I do not want to go out into the world. I do not want to do anything. You are welcome to come visit me in my sick bed Mm. and, and bring me snacks and, and hang out and watch Game of Thrones, which a bunch of friends did. And it was awesome. That was, I felt horrible. That was wallowing Mm. and it was intentional and I just allowed it to exist within the day. So there's, yes, I'm glad you, like, there is good in wallowing. There's good in allowing yourself to feel your feelings. That's necessary. But as a, like, like that is an intentional choice mm-hmm. with support around you. As opposed to just chaotically feeling horrible all the time mm-hmm. and being like, no, I need to fucking be horrible, feel horrible all the time. That's life. It's horrible. And the, you know, shit's depressing. My music's depressing. Cause life's depressing. I'm quoting myself. <laughs> this is me as a teenager, you know, like what, what am I supposed to write about? Life is horrible. Everything's fucked. And like true, man, like that's mm-hmm. probably true. That's like, you're not wrong teen grace, mm-hmm. but it's a different feeling and it's not fun. It's not fun to make that art in the way that some of the stuff I make now is, even if it's 
tough topics that I'm addressing. Yeah, and this is, I mean, I think even something like to, you know, like, and I don't know, I mean, there's so much depressing art that I like. Um, Me too, and, and, and revere, like, absolutely. And I think that's probably, you know, and even there can be so much intention there, you know what I mean, as far as, um, you know, I think, le- like, tuning in, like, tuning into or making art that is tuning into this part of myself, right, that feels hopeless right mm-hmm. for example um or feels yeah feels helpless um yeah. which of course is, is something that might need voice in, yes in these times of ours particularly yeah and i love the thing you brought up about just in with your own clients you're like world events right now are making people feel creatively blocked because they're having that what the hell's the point feeling what's the point of making art you know, i think you and i know at least our best healthiest selves know this is the time that we so desperately need art and expression and to feel things and allow things to move us. And so that's what I hope your clients, you know, get to, because I'm sure they know that too. But, but I mean, it's certainly a feeling I think any artist has, has gone through in the past few years or a conversation they've had in therapy so I, it's cool to talk about just like this way that we conflate any form of expression, any form of self-care with therapy. And even it's like to the point where what does the word therapeutic mean anymore? That's why I was looking up definitions. No, I, was thinking, yeah. I get it. Because I in my notes, I, I, wanted, I was going to say like, okay, like in what ways is making art therapeutic? Mm-hmm. In what ways is it not? Mm. Yeah, I mean, mm. and that is, that's such a tough one because as you know, I'm obsessed with def, you know, with definition or with, uh, ensuring a shared definition. Yeah. And I think it's important with with this word. That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Are these the same thing? I would venture to say no. I mean, even, so even the word, um, the word therapeutic, you know, I think is something to, you know, for, for better or for worse, as far as my clients are concerned, you know, it's something I would want to talk talk about a lot as far as what therapeutic means. Yeah. For, like, means for them specifically. Right. If that makes sense. Right. But, you know, I think the... And it's funny because I was going very back into the definition... I was going way back into the definition of art. Okay. Um, and so I got far enough back to where art... What did the cavemen say? What was their definition? Can they- you Can you go there? Did you go that far back, Amaya? I tried. Um, <laughs> I did try, but then I was like, hmm, I, know I have to actually get on the show. Um, <laughs> potentially. But so I think I, I tragically stopped at around 1600s or 1500s. Oh, so we, can, we can revisit not it far next enough. time. Um, I know. I, I agree. Very embarrassing, honestly. Um, but and I didn't, because I don't think I'd really known that art was, you know, that used to just mean your craft, right? Um, hmm. Or a skill set. Um, cause people will definitely say a lot, I think in my field, you know, that something is an art, right. Um, or like some aspect of therapy is an art. Oh yeah. Um, which is as if, as if it was not confusing enough. Right. Um, or people, well, this show dance. does, this show certainly does that a lot. Our episode titles often involve the word art, mm. right? Like, um, self love for artists mm. or, or, um, integrity for artists mm. or movement for things like that or mm-hmm. uh yeah it's just it even we do that mm. yeah well i mean 
the art of editing, the art of this. We do a lot of titles like that. Mm-hmm. Always fascinating because it, I can never tell how intimate of a concept it is, if that makes sense, in that to particularly, I think, because people say things like the art, the art of editing, right? Or like the art of war, for some mm. reason, is always what I think of. You yes. Know, when someone says something about therapy as an art, I'm like, hmm, how, in, like, how strange, because there are skills within therapy. Um, and the thing that always gets me about it more, I think, is when my supervisor will talk about the word psychology and how the psyche, you know, that it is based in the soul, right? Like the soul connection, um, which is so different to have that, right? That's a different experience than a skill. I think um, right. it feels like a di- like a disservice to call it that, if that makes sense. Well, there's oh. there's certainly there's certainly overlap, mm-hmm. and that's why people say this. But there, but I did want to take time to to talk about the ways in which they are not overlapped. Like I do want it to, mm-hmm. as much as we can, differentiate. Yeah, and it's it's so rare that I am going to say anything about licensure um mm-hmm. and that is not just related to my it's exclusionary nature <laughs> yeah. um but that is this is the one time in which i think what you know really therapy is going to come down to in my definition is you know if again this is if inherent in it is some relationship with at least one other person and and one other person who has knowingly stepped into this position of power I think is also like also feels key and is that person technically licensed as a counselor there like psychologist social worker mm-hmm. whatever you know whatever it happens to be I'm bringing it I've brought it up today like I brought it up in this episode a few times and so I, it's, I think it's it is important to both of us to acknowledge access mm-hmm. but for the purpose of this episode also like safety ideally and trauma-informed care and these things that maybe a teacher doesn't have or simply writing poetry doesn't contain because I think and I don't know if I've ever because I think so much of therapy is about no matter what you're doing in session you know it's just about the the relationship right and and it is I think that's what feels like one of the most important distinctions to me between between art and therapy Hmm. right is that art can be any number of things. Yeah. Art can be any number of things relationally, but co-regulation is not necessarily central. Yes. The way that I see it as being for therapy. And of course, I think that that to me just seems so crucial that, yeah, you know, therapy, I mean, one of my favorite therapy finding studies or like findings in a study of therapy is that no matter the modality, the usually the most like significant variable as far as outcomes or the most um statistically significant one is the quality of the relationship um like or the quality i can attest to the that alliance I, and I, I i referenced that in my own life mm-hmm. in this episode absolutely huh learning learning indeed and so then i guess the part two of that question is in what ways is consuming art not or what ways is it therapeutic in what ways is it not because the first was about creating. Yeah, well, and I think, and I, fe- I would feel similarly, yeah. I think. And I mean, ideally, I think they're, they're informing, informing each other. You know, I definitely have clients who absolutely are coming to me inspired by, um, inspired by art. Mm-hmm. Or will be sending, like, sending me the art that, um, Love that. Or, like, the writing that they've come across that has given them, like, new language for their trauma. 
for example. Yeah. So definitely, I would say that, I mean, in so much of my work, particularly in community and like community health work, mm. um, you know, where one is coming in with an, a different level of mistrust, uh, of justified mistrust, you know, we would be, I would have been nowhere, I think, without art. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as art. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My hands just went up. That was, I know, please, in, say, please in, narrate uh, that. In a, in a motion of uh, worship. What you just said is so powerful. So art provided you a, a way to reach absolutely clients um, or, or people you worked with who really mistrusted, like healthcare providers. I was that person, and now I'm thinking back how like I had nurses who would talk to me about Lost. I was so mean at one point as a as a preteen in a hospital situation. I you know I was. A mess. I, I was very, mean, yeah. I was very mentally ill, and 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 you know, away from home for months at a time. And I am now remembering that there was this one nurse who watched Lost, and that was such a special point of entry with me mm. as a very shut down person. And that's so beautiful. Ah, oh. oh. thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah, thank you for sharing what you shared and just giving me that to think about. And yeah, I mean, and the ways in which it's not therapeutic for me would, I'm just very structure oriented. So I'm like, you know, watching someone's, a character's journey can be, can be cathartic Mm -hmm. for me. Or like your clients sharing a piece of art that gave language Mm -hmm. to something they experienced. Absolutely. But the, like the, for me, the differentiation is like, but this thing is not, structured thing that is helping like that I am following to heal mm-hmm. mm. yeah like there's there I need structure so that I that's something I know about myself and mm-hmm. so like a therapeutic process is a structured thing that's there's it's, that's been proven to help people and has helped me and watching I'm gonna say Game of Thrones because we've just been watching it like Hell watching yeah. Game of Thrones maybe there are characters who I relate to and it can be very cathartic to see them deal with difficult things but that's not the same as a structured therapy process it's not you know maybe not the level of the line of inquiry mm-hmm. within myself that i need to do yeah I, was, I mean the first thing i was thinking of as you were saying that was accountability yeah um, you know in the sense that i can i mean one of my favorite things to do um absolutely is relate to um relate to things or have, you know, thoughts about practices, um, I'd like to do and then not do them, um, you know, potentially consistently. So, you know, I think Game of Thrones is a great example. I mean, as I've said about (laughs) it before, um, you know, I would love to watch single episodes, right. Um, which I found really emotionally evocative, um, and without watching the full series. Interesting. Um, I know, right. How symbolic. Huh? Yeah, it kind of is. That's a thing that is insane to me, but like this, this is just a, is my own neurodivergence thing though, is like not watching something in order would, would give me a panic attack. I'm like, he watched episodes of Game of Thrones, not in order. I like to test myself, but what, but, but, but it is informative about, you know, maybe your own like mm-hmm. mental health stuff and how you experience emotions or, or connection or vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So that show can be really triggering. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's, 
and I mean, I'm, you know, of course, big on the collective unconscious, right. And big on the hero's journey, which Mm -hmm. I I think a lot about for, um, for game of Thrones, but Mm -hmm. I think it is, it also is so interesting as far as, you know, all that, the ways that I think I, I like ideally, at least therapy is using at least concepts from art, even if we're not calling it that. So as yes. far as, you know, for something, um, like narrative therapy, right. It's its own, um, its own modality. Really? Um, and which, that sounds super cool. It, yeah, no, it is. So I'm definitely trying to, um, hoping to like have my next train. Yeah. Like have that be my next training goal. Um, yeah. Cause I already am really narrative, narrative focused, I think, but even something like parts work, you know, or internal family systems work, you know, it's, it is all about creating a story for something that did not feel accessible. I think mm. and particularly so often people are coming in, I think for something like, like internal family systems work to get rid of something, right? Like to get rid of a way that we speak to ourselves mm. and it is so much easier for me, right. As the therapist, you know, to hope that they can, someone can relate to a really self-critical scary internal monologue for example with compassion and that's so much of inner child work right is you know bringing that story um yeah to something that understandably we're like get the fuck away like get away from me i'm not interested in hearing this anymore Mm. so there is yeah so much overlap i think or at least is beneficial for there to be a lot of overlap yeah there is i'm i'm totally interested in having like an art therapist come on the show and it would be super cool if you did that narrative training if you were comfortable with it Mm -hmm. to come back and talk about that like I think that's just so interesting and and discussing the different modalities of therapy is necessary in this discussion Um, and something I'd just be curious to learn more about myself as a believer in it I'm wondering there's, I would, for any, for any, I guess, healers or artists, one like reading shout out I'd want to give is a piece I think called narrative. It's called narrative humility. Narrative humility. I will link to anything we talk about in the show notes so people can just click directly. Narrative humility. It's an article. Yeah. It's really, yeah. It's really, really short. And I think it's, um, it's written by a physician. It is, I mean, it's drawn from a concept we talk about in the field a lot, um, of cultural humility. You know, I think it is, I mean, in that, in that context, it refers to, I mean, approaching just a client's story, right, with humility um, and approaching your own story with humility as far as how it shapes, how you're going to interact huh. with someone, if that makes sense. I can't wait to read that. It is. Mm, and that's, a, really that's in reference to therapy or like a client, like a, like a patient doctor, patient yeah. healer relationship. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, it was very moving. Um, Do you think it, just out of curiosity, I'm obviously going to link to it, but is it, do you think it applies to other relationships too? Like, do you think I could read it and be like, I need to bring this thought into Mm -hmm. new friendships? Yes. Yeah. No, I, I see a lot of, um, a lot of commonalities personally. I think, I mean, so much of things that are necessary for therapists to do, not that, you know, are because of the position of power are things that benefit our own you know our relationships as well yeah like in different in different fashions absolutely but so humility being I think one of those yeah one of the big things for me I started this conversation telling you a story about one of my favorite artists perspective on therapy you know that I thought was misinformed and and can I'm you know am I able to go love this so much about this person this is something I disagree with and I wanted to close the conversation by sharing a story about another favorite artist of mine with a very different perspective that I actually found out years after becoming like obsessed with him. Mm -hmm. So John Leguizamo is my favorite actor. 
He's freaking incredible. He started writing a bunch of his own work when he was young Mm -hmm. because he was like a Latino actor who would only get cast in drug dealer roles and realized that, you know, that was going to be his, his career path if he had was, if he was not telling his own story. And so he started writing plays, uh, one man shows about his family, um, about a a lot of different things that, you know, actually got young people and people of color to like go to plays on Broadway, which is freaking hard Mm. or off Broadway. And so he was like bringing all of these audiences in who had previously not even had interest in theater. And he was sharing vulnerable stuff. I mean, he's telling stories about himself and his family in one-act plays, and people are going. And it's, like, really thrilling, but also, you know, it moved his career forward in really interesting ways. But that's intense. And he experienced, I found out, a panic attack during one of his performances, and he could not go on. And he did not perform theater for like a decade. His dad was in the audience. He knew he had upset family in the past with, you know, his portrayal of them. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the deal. Like, you know, he got an artist's kid. It's going to happen at some point. But he, his dad was in the audience and, and disapproved of some things he had made. And he froze and he couldn't go on didn't perform for a decade and then went to therapy, you know, went to therapy, worked through the panic attacks, really believed in it now. And so in my favorite thing he's ever made, he talks about all of this. He, he ended up writing, he ended up going back into theater, making this basically, it's like a, his shows are like stand up special slash theater one man show. Like he's great, but he made this thing called ghetto clown, which was about his like, life in Hollywood is his path um, that I now know he made after like 10 years of not performing on stage because of this panic attack. And he was only able to do that and make that show and now has made other pieces of theater since that are incredible. But he's, he really thinks he was only able to do that because he, he took the time and went to therapy. So I had to share that as the mm. opposite story of the David Lynch thing because I, I think it, it makes me feel so good to hear that. And I wanted to ask you, do you have any artists that you think have done cool healing work or like that you want to just like shout out right now? It's like, this is an artist who has integrated therapy or, or some healing modalities mm. or talks about, you know, using them openly, like talks about whatever it is as helpful to their creative process. Oh, Oh, that's such a phenomenal question. I can't say my band, of course. You can't say your <laughs> band. You can say whatever you want. I I know that is, and it feels so striking. Yeah, I don't think, like, incredibly striking, given what we've been talking about as far as the conflation, that I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question before. Mm-hmm. And so it is, yeah, it is a really new one. Any poets? Mm, well, the thing is, I mean... So my sibling, um, who is one of... That's not even who I was thinking 
thing of, but I'm so glad that you brought Gabby up. Yes, yes. You have a award-winning, like, well-known poet sibling. Mm. And it feels, I know, it feels so corny to say that they're my favorite poet, but it's it's true. Um, and they were the first poet I loved. But so I thought of them when you were speak when you said what you did about regimented, um, you know, yeah, like regimented time, because they said something in one of their poems and I, and I asked them about this later actually. And they, um, they weren't aware of how many therapists say this now or how many and how I have, you know, and how I will say this to clients to a degree when, um, in this poem specifically it was about grieving and they, and I think, and I can't do justice to the line, but it, they referenced taking time to grieve that day or, you know, and having regimented time for that. And definitely I had, um, the massive privilege of getting to meet one of, um, at least one of Gabby's therapists, um, who oh. incorporated a lot of cool art stuff. And I think definitely, um, they would say, you know, I think they would say that those are things that have interacted for them as far as those experiences. But I'm what gonna- a cool thing too. I just, I love that, you know, I brought this up and, and forgetting that, yeah, you have a sibling who's a well-known, amazing poet who has, it sounds like, gone to therapy and talked with you about it and you've gotten to meet one of those therapists. What a cool, freaking, beautiful shout-out to be able to give. It was when I was very little, too, which is even... Ah. It was definitely the coolest the coolest therapy office I've seen thus far because there were, was, like, a big sand thing that you could, like, play with in the middle mm. and... All sorts of toys. Girl's incredible. Wherever she is. Well, it's the coolest one you've seen until you make your office, Mm. which will be even cooler. Because life is a competition. (laughs) As is art. As is art. Yes. Competition life. Competition and not at all about connection or compassion. No. Everything must be a competition. That's what we were hoping to communicate. That's what we were hoping you guys would get from this episode. Just kidding. Amaya... Wow, what a great discussion this has been. All I can think about is just wanting to continue it, but in the interest of it's already been far beyond what I thought we would <laughs> we would uh, take, how much time we would take up, but I'm excited to do more in the future. Um, in the interest of closing out this conversation, though, I will ask you what I ask everyone at the end of the episode, at the mm-hmm. end of the discussion. What is the art life? The life I hope to see and mm-hmm. see accessible to everyone because I think what you said about it being um I mean so much of what makes life meaningful right experience you know receiving it or creating it yeah is art absolutely well I'm really excited to follow your new creative energy and Mm -hmm. see the directions that it goes I, I it's super cool that I got to discover this in the beginning of the episode that you're feeling more creatively inspired and able to to make things after a long period of your energy going elsewhere. We'll have you back on the show. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people are going to respond to this because this is so art life listener, right? Bullseye conversation. Mm. But until then, where can our listeners find your art, Amea? Mm. Well, so they, there is, I think it's, I, I know Grace had to write it. Down. I had to write. So, oh, do you want me to tell people? When you, I do. I'm, I'm not the social media person. Um, that's okay. I like that, that about is you. The talent. Thank you so you much. You have a new band that you've talked about in this episode a few times, which it sounds like is so right for you and super trans and really just it sounds like affirming to make 
um, to create with this group of people. Your new band is called Rotary Ghost. Mm-hmm. Your Instagram is at Rotary Ghost Music. I love that. I know that. Me too. Thank you for collaborating with me. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. So check out Amaya's band. There will be a bunch of uh, links in the show notes as well to not just the Instagram, but also some of the books that we discussed and the article that Amaya referenced. I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to kind of dive into some of the... I love a reading list, so mm. I can't wait to dive into some of the, the art and and articles that we've discussed today. Um until then, I will just say thank you for being here and look forward to part two, three, four, five forever, everyone. We joked before we started recording that we should make an episode after this called Is Therapy Art? Mm. And I don't know that that was a joke because <laughs> I really, I really, now that we've talked about the art of as a, as a frequent mm. art life episode title, I think maybe we should do an episode about the things that are art about being a therapist it's and there are, the craft of i'm sure it's there there's there, a ton there are so many um oh, and i so much appreciate getting to be here and live this art life with you yeah you too this was a great discussion i can't wait to hear what people think and and just do more so until then um we're gonna go watch game of thrones hell yeah we are bye good night <laughs> i usually say from my side of the world good night but we're together so from our side of the world uh not across the country for for the first time in a bit mm. from my side of the couch good night Amaya. Oh, good night <laughs> this is the art life You can read more and subscribe to our newsletter at www.theartlife.show or send letters to The Art Life, Care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 1193, Hollywood, California, 90078. You can email us at theartlifeshow at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Art Life Show. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for being part of the art life.